0: As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com inventionage.
1: today to veterans who became entrepreneurs, because you know what really makes me nauseous and all these veterans complain about, well, I can't find a job. I said, well, you're supposed to be an entrepreneur, that's why. Because you've wasted the best training to be you know, become, going to war, becoming going into the military, serving, all, even the basic training in the military makes you far better, it gives you an opportunity to be an entrepreneur. So even if you're not a war guy and you're not an entrepreneur, you should listen to this, because what you're going to find out today is some of the differences between entrepreneurs and WIMPs. That's a very big difference, because it has being an entrepreneur has very little to do with your college education. It really has to do with what the military, regardless of branch or service, trains you to do. This also includes police officers, firemen, EMT people, you know, people who must operate on basic emotion and physical and spiritual strength. And I have met so many MBAs who lack the basic necessity to be an entrepreneur and that's called guts. They don't have the guts. And that's why a lot of times I just go at odds with MBAs who just want to manipulate numbers and manipulate stock price. So today, for those of you who want to know what the military does train you good for, the ban Entrepreneur. We're going to inter- we're going to interview two, um, two sets of entrepreneurs, and they're going to find out why the military is the best training ground for entrepreneurs. Any comments, Kim?
0: Well, yes, yeah, so of course. I've never been in the military, so I'm anxious to hear uh, from but you're from a great all of these people. You're a great but I have the entrepreneurial side. But but you talk about the MBA, and you know, we've talked on the show. The MBA basically they're training people in finance. They're not training people to be entrepreneurs because. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna take a stab at this, I mean, in the in the world of of war, in the world of military, it's about perseverance. It's about, as you say, guts. guts it's about you know resilience when you, when you get when you get knocked down, how you get back up. That to me is more the traits that are more more important as an entrepreneur. So this is gonna be a great show. Let's let's get started.
1: So uh, you may know my my military background is. Uh... I had four years of military school and five years in the Marine Corps as a pilot. And it was that's the reason I'm an entrepreneur. You know, it's the best training in the world. So I'm going to plug my latest book. It's called The Eight Lessons in Military Leadership for Entrepreneurs. So for those of you who are wondering, you know, maybe I should quit my job. You know, what is it going to take? What if I fail? You know, what if I don't get that paycheck? Well, this is your program, and Eight Lessons in Military Leadership for Entrepreneurs written by me is for you. So today, our first guests are Eli and Jen Crane. They're the owners of Bottle Breacher. You may have seen them on Shark Tank, and they got a deal with the two best entrepreneurs on that program, Kevin O'Leary and Mark Cuban. Eli is a former U.S. Navy SEAL-turned-entrepreneur. He and his wife, Jen, run the company, and they hire vets and reinvest in those that have served. Their website is BottleBreacher.com.
0: And we saw that program, we saw, I remember when it was on, it was a really great show and uh, it, was a, it was a great deal that they struck, so it'll be fun.
1: So let's start with uh, Eli since you were the Navy SEAL. How did being a Navy SEAL prepare you to be an entrepreneur? And plus you've had three tours in the Middle East, but how was Navy SEAL training great for being an entrepreneur?
2: Well thanks Robert and Kim, it's great to be on with you guys today. Um, it's helped me immensely. Um, and the longer the longer that we're able to keep doing what we love, the more I see the correlation on a day in day out basis. I would say the biggest thing that um, I learned in the SEAL teams that's helped me as an entrepreneur is resiliency, something Kim just brought up. And as a SEAL, it's some a lot of people say it's the toughest military training in the world, and you just constantly get knocked down, knocked down, knocked down and um, you're constantly wet and sandy, you go for long periods of time without sleep, um, you've got people trying to get you to quit all the time, and it's kind of like being an entrepreneur. I mean, we're constantly <laughs> getting knocked yeah. down as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, you think you're doing good and you, you're, you're saving up a lot of capital, the IRS comes and hits you and knocks you down. And, um, you know, there's so many correlations um, you know, with the resiliency piece, that's probably been one of the most valuable. And I think that that's one of the ones that separates the winners in entrepreneurship from the losers. It's just the ability to run into the first obstacle or brick wall, find a way around it, run into the next obstacle the very next day and find a way around it and continue to do that. So I, say, I would say resiliency is uh, probably the first, the most important thing. And then another thing is sacrifice. You know, as veterans, we're constantly away from our friends, our family, on deployments. We're constantly putting our lives on the line. You know, we're constantly missing birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas. So we learn learn in the military to sacrifice those things, which is an easier transition for us in, you know, in entrepreneurship, because as we're starting these businesses up, the things that we're passionate about, our hobbies, a lot of times those have to take a back seat. You know, while we're while we're running you know running our businesses and we're wearing 10 hats and we're trying to do everything you know there's everybody only has 24 hours in the day and as entrepreneurs we have to use up more of those hours than you know your average joe working a 9 to 5 job so let me speak um,
1: let, me, let me speak to your wife Jen because I know from Kim I mean without Kim I wouldn't be here today and you know Jen has to be a very strong woman like Kim Kim's a very strong woman so jen what what was it like transitioning from navy seal to entrepreneur for you personally
3: um personally um it it helped a lot just having the background of him being gone like he said it was it was actually i think harder for me because he was home more <laughs> i had to get used to him being at the house and um but i had a business previously to this i started a business on my own out of necessity He was being deployed and because um, your, your, so your,
0: your background is you went to business school, right, at the University of Arizona.
3: Yes, I did. It, it's funny, as I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, it scared me. Like how your book says, you know, a lot of the people nine to five, that's who I was, but I wanted to be home with my kids. And in order to have that freedom, I needed to start a business at home. And, so,
0: and what was your um, first business?
3: It was a print shop online I sold on Etsy. And I did pretty well for a stay-at-home mom. And so when Eli came to me and said, hey, I want to start this, it, it made sense. I feel like it was a good transition, and I'm really excited that we're doing it because he's able to be home now with her family.
1: Well, congratulations! And do not you tell us what uh, bottle breacher is, so the audience knows?
2: The original product is a 50 caliber dummy round that we we turn into a bottle opener. So, how'd you get that actually, idea?
1: A,
0: a dummy well, round it, being it, it, you're talking about recycled bullets, yeah?
2: <laughs> yes, ma'am. So we take a big dummy round, we put a cut in it, and it can open your beer. We polish it up, we powder coat it, we laser engrave it, um, and we make it really aesthetic. It's one of the coolest gifts you can buy somebody, and that's why we've been so successful. Um, Back to your question, Robert, it's interesting because I got it from my little brother who was also a Marine Corps helicopter pilot. Um, He went on a deployment to the Philippines and brought it back, and when he gave it to me, I knew it wasn't very expensive, but I thought it was one of the coolest gifts I'd ever received. And so a couple years later, having my buddies come over, have beers with me, every time I'd break that thing out of the junk drawer, um, they would always be like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Where can I get one? And, you know, I'd never seen them in the States and neither had anybody else. So, um, you know, I had the idea just to, you know, take an already cool product and just make it a lot better and, you know, really work some branding into it. And that's kind of how Bottle Breacher was born.
1: Once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Eli and Jen Crane. They're the owners of Bottle Breacher. They appeared on Shark Tank with Kevin O'Leary and they got a deal with Kevin O'Leary and Mark Cuban. And Eli is a former Navy SEAL, turned entrepreneur. He and his wife Jen run a company run the company and they hire vets and reinvest in those who have served. So let me ask this Eli how does being a Navy seal what does a Navy seal training how did that prepare you to be an entrepreneur
2: yeah there were a lot of things that I've that I found really helped me out like I said a moment ago i I don't have a, a fancy MBA you know I didn't nobody taught me how to be a businessman so I just had to rely on what the military taught me um, you know they definitely taught me discipline um, they taught me um, extreme ownership they taught me you know if If something happens under under your watch don't make excuses for it you know even if it even if it wasn't directly your task you know you need to take responsibility for it and always learn to point the finger at yourself first so that was one of the big things Uh, the other thing in the SEAL teams is we go out the door into extremely violent you know war-torn cities with very small numbers of people the only way we're able to do this Is by having you know is by being able to think outside the box, and what I mean by that is being able to outthink your enemy and stay ahead, you know, stay four or five steps ahead of your enemy. And that's been one thing that's been absolutely crucial in you know being an entrepreneur is always staying on the offensive and outthinking and outmaneuvering your enemy.
1: Jen, you know, I was in the MBA program, but I
0: and I have a I have a business degree, and I I dropped out simply
1: because (laughs) I was learning how to manipulate stock price. Rather than grow a business, it's called financialization today. But anyway, what did, how did MBA help you out in being an entrepreneur?
3: So I actually don't have an MBA. I just have my bachelor's in business. Oh, but, okay. Did that um, help at all? It definitely did. I have a banking background, and it, it's a perfect combination, I feel like, with Eli and I, because he's a lot like you. He tried school, I think, more of it twice. It just didn't work for him. He needs to get out there and get his hands dirty. But I feel like at the end of the day for our business, there has to be somebody at sitting behind the computer, making sure everything is adding up. And so I right. do a lot of accounting and marketing here, money in and money out. I get to see it and how it works. And I feel like it helped me in my own way of being disciplined. For Eli, that was the military, and for me that was school. Very good, and, very good.
0: And, you know, yeah. i gotta, I got to add, I was, I was watching this video of Kevin O'Leary, and he was talking about returns on his businesses, and he says he, he has 32 companies in his portfolio and 52% are run by women. And he said, not some of my returns, all of my returns are coming from companies either owned or run by women. So what's that? Thought,
3: <laughs> I thought yeah, that was... Yeah, so, cool. um, I, I, a lot of them, too, are moms. And I know a lot of them. And there are some wonderful people with Good Good Cupcakes and Honey Fund. They, they're, they just know how to make it work. When the kids go to bed... You know, you put a couple things up online, and I feel like you really know how to use your time wisely, set goals that you can achieve, and multitask.
1: Once yeah. again, Robert of The Rich Dad Radio Show. Today we're talking to Eli and Jen, Jen Crane. Their product is Bottle Breacher. You can go to their website at bottlebreacher.com. Today we're talking about war, what is it good for, but most importantly is the training young people get in the military That is the perfect training for entrepreneurs. The perfect training for entrepreneurs. And I know for me, it wasn't what I learned in school that made me an entrepreneur, because so I, I went for my MBA and dropped out. I was just so bored. But it's basically like a finance school. You know, That's all the MBA is called financialization. It's how to manipulate stock prices, not about growing a business. So I just said, I'm out of this. Eli was a former Navy SEAL. And his wife Jen is his business partner. So today we're talking about what you can learn, even though you're not in the military, and even though you know you have no plans on serving and you have no plans of being an entrepreneur, there's things that you can learn for your life that are applicable. Because I think what makes what makes me really, really nauseous is when I hear about school kids, you know, they everybody gets a trophy today. I mean, we're training kids to be wimps, W-I-M-P-S. And what wimps stands for is where is my paycheck, sir? Where is my paycheck, sir? You know, and it makes me nauseous. So that's why I wrote the book Eight Lessons of Military Leadership for Entrepreneurs. You can get it online or your bookstore. But Kim is not a military person either. But she's had to deal with me all these years and yes, I uh, have. my friends and, and my friends and, and all my your friends. military
0: crazy military friends. And
1: they're all Marines and they're all gentlemen. And I
0: and I would and I would just say this: you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to be in the military to learn these lessons. And I've learned a lot from from watching Robert and his friends and working with them. And you know, our guest Eli and Jen Crane. Eli said it very well. There's things that you've that he's learned and applied into his entrepreneurship back and one is resiliency having to having to get up from a setback how do you keep going or sacrifices doing what you have to do not necessarily what you want to do and so just understanding these things alone is what it takes it gives you an insight into what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur
1: and if I could add this you know that uh, the first day at the military school in New York the first word we are taught as young midshipmen is mission what is your mission And I think this is where a lot of MBAs don't get it is because mission is spiritual. It's what are you willing to give your life for? And the average business school graduate, their mission is just to make money and screw as many people as possible. And that's why I have very little respect for most MBAs until I'm actually working with them. But when I'm dealing with military people like Eli, it's very easy to say, what's your mission? They know because it's spiritual. Mission is a spiritual word. Same as the words courage, trust, integrity, discipline. They're very, very spiritual words. And the average person coming out of business school, they don't even know what those words mean. They know manipulate markets and money. So that's my personal thing. When I talk to MBAs, I'm always watching my six. So Eli, what does watching my six mean?
2: That means watching your back, Robert.
1: And that's what you don't have to worry about with your, your SEALs, right? Your fellow SEALs.
2: Yes, that is correct.
1: Yeah, I've, I, Kim and I have had our backstab so many times by good people with MBAs and law degrees and, you know, accounting degrees. I just don't trust them.
0: So so Eli and Jen Crane are the owners of Bottle Breacher, and they both appeared on Shark Tank and got a deal with Kevin O'Leary and Mark Cuban. Um, and Eli is a, a former Navy SEAL-turned-entrepreneur, and Robert, you talk about mission and purpose, and our, our companies have always been mission-based, seriously mission-based, not just words. Um, we do things that are going to solve a problem, make a difference, and I like what Eli and Jen are doing because they actually hire vets and they reinvest in those people that have served in the military. So could you address that, Jen and Eli?
2: That's one of our big uh, big missions here. I just wrote an article called, um, If Cash is King, Having a Mission is Queen. And we believe that firmly here. As long as we're able to continue doing what we're doing and getting to do what we love to do every day, we're going to continue to bless other people. And I personally feel like if, if you're able to be successful in life, in business, and you're not trying to use your platform or whatever resources you have to bless others, that you're just completely missing the boat. So we just hired our, our seventh veteran um, on Wednesday. He's an Army guy. We're super excited about being here, and uh, we hope that as the years go by, we can continue to hire more, because that's been one of the hardest things for me to watch. Robert, is you know my buddies and my peers who are super highly trained, high qualified people get out of the military and not be able to find work because CEOs and managers don't understand how their skills translate into the business world.
1: It's, it's even worse than that. Is that I've met I met. He was an Army Ranger, and he was the guy that went up and picked up Lone Survivor. You know, in that yeah. in that whole episode, and the guy is pretty lost right now. He's a great guy, great guy, but he lacks a sense of mission. And and for those of you who do not know what mission feels like, it's the thing that gives you life. It's the energy. It's the spiritual energy that gives you life beyond life. And I've met most people. I would say I hate to say it, everybody has a spirit. But very few people are required to count on it when the going gets tough because they quit. You know that's the biggest problem with people. So congratulations for hiring vets and all that because most of them, even most of them, understand mission because that's drilled into your head. And that's one of the things I do at the Rich Dad Company is I make sure we stay close to the mission and the money will follow if you follow your mission. <laughs>
0: So let me ask you this: You are, you guys went on Shark Tank. You got the deal. You became very successful since Shark Tank, and uh, your appearance there has success because you're you're selling a lot now. You're making a lot of money. Has success created any problems for you? Because sometimes people think that failure is the problem, but oftentimes success is the problem.
2: Right. If 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 you've got to watch any of the episodes, any of the after you know, Beyond the Tank, Shark Tank shows, or any of our updates, you'll know that that's been one of the heavy themes of uh, of our business is, you know, we almost drowned in our own success. And what happened? We went, we went from making about 130 bottle breachers on a good day before the Shark Tank to having to make 1,500 to 2,000 a day after the Shark Tank. Now, anybody that's done their own manufacturing knows that that's not something that just happens overnight. So it's we had about a three month back order after oh. the shark tank. And as you guys know, you only get so many chances with your customers, right. you know, patience these days, you know, we, we want everything now, now, now. So it was definitely a struggle for us to figure out how to innovate and to get faster at what we were doing in our production. But we were able to do that as a company. And I feel very fortunate as a company to have walked through that adversity because, You know, I believe that's where you really grow as individuals and as a company. So I just feel we're we're in so much of a better place because we had to walk through that.
1: And I would agree with you because my first success was a nylon wallet company. And success is expensive. Holy man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we were growing. We couldn't finance our success. And that required me to go to a whole nother level of insanity. As we're talking about without military training at the academy and in the Marine Corps, I don't think I could have held together. I know my two partners didn't. You know, one one guy is his accountant, accountant Stanley, and he ran. He just couldn't handle it. You know, he just ran. The guy was such a wimp. That's what mil- that's what the military mission and discipline does.
0: So, you know, Robert,
2: it's funny. You sorry, Kim. It's funny that you say that, Robert, because a lot of the times when you know we're facing a tough situation here at Bottle Breacher, um, you know, I remind myself and i'll even it's sometimes lost on my staff and my team when I say it, but I'll say, you know at least nobody's shooting at us right now. you know at least we have a roof over our head, we have food in our stomachs, and we live in the greatest country in the United States and when you really when you really you know go back to the basics and you think about your origins and where you came from as a veteran you know it's it it really makes the rest of your life gravy, you know and it's just um, such a such such a blessing and an honor that i got to serve and i wouldn't change it for anything
0: nice right. very nice so so so, so jen and, and eli let me ask you this you're working with kevin o'leary mr wonderful and you're working with mark cuban what are the most uh one one lesson great lesson you've learned from each of those men in terms of entrepreneurship
3: uh, for me with mark cuban uh follow the green not the dream is what, what, is really good because i feel like um what does that mean for, for me, it means at the end of the day, you think you could have the best idea possible, but if it's not going to bring in any profit, you can't sustain a business. And if you want to give back, first you have to make money. People don't realize that a lot of times. And so, for example, like if you have a new product and it's just not bringing in the return that you're looking for, it might have been your dream, but you need to move on to the next. What about you for Kevin?
2: Um, with Kevin... You know, I would just say that. Um, is he really the Mr. Wonderful? From Kevin is <laughs> the numbers have to add up. You know, if you watch the Shark Tank, a lot of people, they really beat Kevin up because of his persona and how, you know, sometimes he's funny and sometimes he might be a little too aggressive with entrepreneurs. But I think he's the most disciplined investor on the panel. He doesn't get his heartstrings pulled. Your numbers either work or they don't. And that's so important in entrepreneurship. Cash really is king. And if you're not if you don't have cash flow coming in, you know, you, you're not gonna be able to have a mission. You're not gonna be able to bless anybody else. And I think um, that's one of the biggest things we've taken from Kevin, is just that the numbers have to add up.
1: Well, that's good discipline. That's, that's why he always talks about, well, I'm telling them the truth and the other sharks jump on him and all that. But anyway, I wanna thank you and congratulate you for Bottle Breacher. How can people get your product?
3: At bottlebreacher.com, um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter as well, so you can reach out either way
1: are you in retail
3: you know what, we are in small retail locations like on military bases um, we're careful with retail but definitely direct-to-consumer is best so uh, bottlebreacher.com
1: so do you carry can you carry one of these on the plane with you
3: you can if you check your luggage Oh, if you check your you luggage, you, you can't carry can't put it on. It, not carry it. Yeah.
2: No, I would. I would not recommend it. Some people have gotten away with it, but there have been a lot of people that have gotten held up by TSA. So don't. As, I don't recommend it.
0: I would As so. they should.
1: But 80% <laughs> yeah. of the stuff gets just, through. TSA anyway. loves
3: us, so they get they get Christmas gifts when when uh, one of our. Uh, buyers come through like, yeah, we'll, we'll take this from you and give it to my dad for Christmas. Hey,
2: before we go real quick, Robert, I want to say thank you, man, for all the books that you've written. And just the fact that you continue to make it your mission in life to educate those of us that don't have backgrounds, um, in business. And you have made a huge impact on our business and really helped us form our strategy for how we're going to try and keep this thing moving in the right direction. So thank you, man. We, we, Robert, thank you so much. Kim, thank you so much. And we we had a great time and it was an honor.
1: And we're talking about how the military trains great entrepreneurs. Because as you know, the failure rate of most entrepreneurs is uh, nine out of 10 will fail in the first five years. And of that one that survives, nine out of 10 of them will fail in the second five years. So it's really not about your MBA, it's really about your guts. And being a, being a military academy graduate as well as a marine pilot, I know it's not my college degree that got me through the hard times of being an entrepreneur. So our guest, we had first a Navy SEAL. Now we have Jason Levesque. He's a former U.S. Army drill sergeant. He's become an entrepreneur. He owns Argo Marketing Group, which just started in 2003. It is now a multimillion-dollar national business. His website is argo marketing dot com. Any comments, Kim?
0: Well, I th- I think you nailed it when you said this show really is about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Because as we talked to our last guest, and I'm sure um, Jason will probably verify this as well, it's more the the spirit and the the resilience and the and the, the spirit that it takes more so than anything to be an entrepreneur. It's not it's not what you learn in textbooks. That's for sure.
1: And just now a second, I went to school in New York, uh, U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, and the first word we learned is mission. What is your mission? It was drilled into us, just drilled it. Then the yelling and screaming started. So (laughs) as a former U.S. Marine drill sergeant, wouldn't you say being a drill sergeant, you're really training people to be entrepreneurs?
4: Yeah, and a way we are. i got to correct you, Robert. U.S. Army drill sergeant, I can't be uh, grouped in with those Marine folks.
0: <laughs> that would
4: just be that would be a horrible thing. Did I say uh, that? I lose my <laughs> reputation. It, it, it's okay. It's, oh, my just God. Just from where you're from. No,
1: for those of you listening in, that is a, that's, that's a cardinal sin
0: there.
1: <laughs> I, I, and I must admit, you know, the Marines think we're better than the Army, and the Army thinks we're better than the Marines. But one day in Vietnam I had the opportunity, not one day, but I used to go and fly for the Army out of um, Marble Mountain. And I have tremendous respect for the Army. They are, We thought we we're better pilots than them, but I think they're better pilots than we are. But anyway, uh, th- welcome to the program, Jason. And uh, as a U.S. Army drill sergeant, wouldn't you say that's the basic training for an entrepreneur?
4: It is a great training for an entrepreneur. I mean, you really gotta look at what you get trained in as a soldier in basic combat training. You're being trained to have discipline. You're being trained to be a leader. You're being a, you're trained to really just go out there and, and do what most people think is impossible. And I look back at that old Army commercial, um, which was the reason I joined, but it still gives me chuckles. You know, we do more before 8 a.m. than most people do all day. It's true. Yeah. And if you look at that and compare it to being an entrepreneur, it, the similarities are striking.
1: Well, you know what I think as funny is like I talked about the first thing was mission and then they march you, this is at at the Academy in New York, then they march you down, then they shave your head. And immediately that's a shock because in the 60s, you know, everybody had hair, and then you shave your head, and then they start screaming at you. You know, I'm going, and most times today if if I raise my voice, it's politically incorrect and I won't get sued, you know.
4: Oh, yeah, we see it. I see it now. Um, yeah, they're screaming. They're, they're kind of talking in a more you know, deep tone, if you would. I, always, I, I didn't like to say screaming so much. But, yeah, it's pretty shocking, and that's done on purpose. I mean, uh, you've got to break someone down, and you've got to build them back up. But you never want to do so to take away their individuality. And, uh, you know, I draw those similarities in, in a contact center environment or a, a small business environment. You want people to come and you want them to assimilate into the culture and what you've built. So you want them to leave a little bit of what they know from previous experience at the door and be open and be able to receive kind of a new way of doing things, which if the company's owned by a veteran – it's going to be probably drastically different than if it was a civilian-owned uh, small business or a large corporation.
0: How, how, how so? Would How would it be different?
4: Looking back, I mean, it's been you know, 13 years now since I've started the company, and it's about loyalty. And sometimes uh, I think I've, I did it. I created this culture without even realizing because, frankly, I didn't know any better. I knew what I knew, and that was, you know, running an infantry squad or being a drill sergeant. So you wanted people around you that had the sh- same shared passion that wanted to succeed. Usually, you had to find out why. You know, so. You wanted those people with that entrepreneurial spirit around you because they understood what you were doing day to day. You know how you could, you know, you had to stay up till three o'clock on a Thursday morning trying to make payroll for Friday. So it was about those shared sacrifices, and you start surrounding yourself with a core group of those individuals, and all of a sudden that's your culture. And then any time anyone new comes in, and they're not pulling their weight, or you know they're punching in at nine o one and punching out at four fifty nine the rest of the team kind of herded them back into line, so to speak. So um, that's a, the same culture you have in the military. You know, everybody has to pull their weight. And sometimes amen. you get to pull a little bit more.
1: Amen, amen, amen. What is your background? How did you get into the Army, and why, and what did you learn, and how do you apply what you learned as a drill sergeant to entrepreneurship?
4: Well, I mean, it started off in, in college, actually. Uh, after about two years in college, a very traditional track here. Graduate high school, go away to a, a private liberal arts school. I was completely bored, and I just couldn't stay focused. It's like I don't want to do this. And then I remember the book I got that it was something like Rich Dad Poor Something. I can't remember the last <laughs> um, And I, I look back at that book, and okay, I've got to, I've got to do something and step out of my comfort zone. So I went to a recruiter. I joined the army, and he says, "What do you like to do?" I like, oh, hunt, camp, you know, kind of like that. And he goes, "Oh, you'd love the infantry." So that started an eight-year career there. Oh, yeah, and I'm, yeah, I made his day. Um, so eight years in the infantry, and, you know, you get out of the military, and you realize you're really not qualified to do anything specifically. I couldn't weld or be an electrician. Um, but I did have discipline, and I did like to work. And, you know, I was pretty motivated to start the next chapter of my life. Um, fortunately, I guess, nobody would hire me because I didn't have any skills. So I – found a job working at a call center, and I started basically as a private, on the phones, doing the grunt manual labor, and I just kept building myself up until one day I'm like, you know what? I can go, and I can do this bigger, better, faster, and for less money, and, and I did.
1: Could you explain what a call center is and does?
4: In its very simplest form, it is a bunch of individuals that sit around and answer phone calls, and today, emails, chat, text, multimedia communication on behalf of a company that has customers. So it could be anything from um, a handheld cooking device that needs warranty service. Well, if you have a problem, you're going to pick up the phone and call the 800 number chances are you're reaching someone sitting in a call center, whether the call center's owned by the company itself, or in my case, outsourced, um, and they hire us and contract to us to represent them as a client-facing instrument.
1: So I think I'm calling uh, Sony, but they're actually calling you.
4: Correct, I hope, I wish. Actually, Sony's not a client, but
1: (laughs) I'm on my list. That can be arranged. Well anyway, once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show. We're talking to Jason Levesque. He's a former US Army drill sergeant. He's an entrepreneur. We're talking today how military training and discipline actually is the best entrepreneurial training there is. And I had to laugh when you said that you have no skill sets. When I came out of the Marine Corps, I could fly or I could drive ships, but I didn't want to do them either. And the way I learned how to sell, because selling is basic to being an entrepreneur, is after I used to work at Xerox just to get sales training And at night, I would go to a call center and dial for dollars for a a nonprofit. So call centers, as much as I hated them at times, it was the best disciplined uh, training in learning how to communicate to somebody, especially over a phone at those days, because you couldn't see their face. So making outbound calls all night long for this call center or this nonprofit charity was the best sales training I ever had. So it's interesting that you'd be in that business.
0: So, so, Jason, let me ask. Argo Marketing is your company. You have how many call centers? I have three. So, and you, you are there, the customer service of these major companies?
4: Small, medium, and large-sized corporations. Okay. okay. And so, I, yeah, we, uh, we handle that on a contract basis.
0: Wonderful. And I was reading about your story, and, and there was another call center close by in Maine that closed, and they fired everybody, put them out of work. And then you, you went in and you started it up again?
5: What did. What, did what, did you,
0: what did you do differently that they weren't doing that you could get it back up on its feet?
2: Yeah,
4: it's again, it's another military um, lesson. It's about loyalty. So unfortunately, a lot of large call center groups, if you would, um, 10, 5, 10,000 employees, they just look at contact centers and their associated employees as you know, pieces on a chessboard. Now, we don't look at like we, we don't think like that so they just up and closed with no notice we came in very very quickly after seeing in the news we looked at the situation we worked with the local municipality and the building owner um and we're like this is a great opportunity for us to expand in an area with well-trained people that really want a good solid home and to feel comfortable and we gave that to them Fantastic. what we did differently was we were there you know we weren't absentee owners right. um thankfully it was only an hour away so We're up there all the time and fully integrated those old employees into our culture within a couple months. And that's probably one of my my favorite locations. I shouldn't say that out loud. But uh, what a great group of people in a great area of the state of Maine.
1: This is the thing I, I talk about with other people is I haven't seen my fellow pilots in years. But the moment I talk to them, it's like we never were apart. That relationship is so strong. And are you saying that's what makes your program more successful? Is that relationship, trust, and they res- and respect?
4: Yeah, I think so. I really do. Again, I I don't have much experience outside of, but I mean, very similar to you. You know, if I see the you know the guys in my unit, um, and I do bump into them and we get together occasionally. Uh, yeah, it's a great camaraderie. It's like we never were apart. Um, and the same thing in the company. You know, some people come, some people go. It's part of civilian life, which has been hard to really wrap my mind around over these years. But overall, it's about you know, Argo. It's about the company. It's about how we volunteer at soup kitchens. And you know, the, hopefully one day our softball team will win a game. I mean, those are the <laughs> things that bind us. And we all know, we, everybody in the organization has done the most simplest and basic job there. We all answer the phones. When those calls are coming in, even myself included, we'll answer calls. So we know what's going on. So there's a bit of shared sacrifice there that's very familiar to the military and people that are in the military.
1: Congratulations.
0: It's interesting. You also, our guest before, you also talked about one of the biggest lessons was sacrifice. And and in talking to somebody who is not in the military, how would you describe sacrifice? What does that mean?
4: Uh, it's not just about laying one's life down. Um, there's multiple layers of sacrifice from having to you know, get up at 3 o'clock in the morning or go 48 hours without sleep or not taking a shower for 30 days. I mean, there's a whole different layer, but it's all about shared experiences and everybody's sacrificing for some, something, sacrificing something.
0: For higher for, cause.
4: For a higher cause, yeah. yeah. For something bigger than themselves. Right. And that's something we say a lot here at Argo. It's like we're doing this because we're trying to build something that's bigger than any one individual, and myself included, something that the community is proud of, that our children are proud of, that's going to help us raise ourselves to the next economic level, the next socioeconomic strata. You know, And we're, our employees are buying homes, and some of them get off public assistance. And you know, some of them, God love them, leave the company and start their own company. Know, hopefully not a competing company, but still, they're adding to society. It's something bigger than just us.
1: Congratulations. One last quick question. I hear a lot of complaints about this millennial generation. What have you observed?
4: Really, I think we need to bring back the draft. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, I mean, we, this could be a whole another show, but... I will say that I'm not going to say millennial generation or not millennial generation. Um, I'm not in it, I guess. Uh, But that seems to be an almost an arbitrary line. I will say this, though. Not everybody gets a trophy. (laughs) there you go. Sometimes life
1: sucks. I know. Mm -hmm.
4: But it's what you do about it that really is the measure of the person. And in the face of adversity, you can either fight for what you believe in or you can fight. Right. What I see happening is they just say, "Screw it, Excuse my language." That's and right. fight, they leave. Well, that's not the best way to do. It. If you, there's a, something that's bothering you or there's something that's going on and you can't solve it, you know ask, because again, we've all been there before, including myself, so it's OK to ask. That's what I see. It's, just, uh, it's just too easy to quit, and somehow some way, someone is allowing them and telling them that it's OK to quit.
1: Is there a different way you train a millennial, or are they the same, or are humans humans?
4: We don't have a different way to train millennials. Um, okay. I, I think probably because nobody has figured out how to train them. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. And I think that, that at one point the millennials will hit a certain point in their life when they realize that everything that was promised to them by others is not, an act, is not going to be actual or factual. It's not going to come to reality. Right. Um, they're, they're going to have to buckle down and actually work. Uh, but training is training. You have to be able to grasp everything. and You have to have soft skills. And I think maybe that's the biggest difference, frankly, is soft skills. Do millennials have what, it's t- what it takes to dress appropriately to work, to wake up on time, and know if you're scheduled at 9 a.m. to be here at 8.56, ready to go?
1: There is such a strong sense of team, camaraderie, pride, dignity, honor that you know i didn't see, i didn't find in traditional you know business school business school is just about making money and screwing people that's that's all i learned that's why i wrote the book eight lessons in military leadership for entrepreneurs is because the military regardless of branch of service trains the best entrepreneurs possible any comments kim
0: well this has been an eye opening show um and again it goes back to it's not the product, it's not your service. What really it takes to be an entrepreneur is that spirit, that heart, that resiliency, that sense of purpose, that's much more important than your little gadget. Yeah, (laughs) but it's
1: not your college degree because you can hire those.
0: Yeah, and you know what else is important is, is if you're an employee, I mean this is a great show, if you're an employee to understand what it takes on the entrepreneur side to be better able to serve your company and your business. So
1: anyway, that's why I thank you for listening to this program. So have this, this is Ask Robert. So you can submit your questions to so Robert at richdadradio.com. Melissa, what's the first question?
5: Our first question today comes from Bridget in Colorado. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She says, Robert, would you be a successful entrepreneur if you hadn't joined the Marines?
1: I doubt it. I doubt it very, very much. I mean, one of the reasons I went to military school, well, first reason is because my poor dad said he wasn't going to pay for me to go to school because I was completely worthless. I was a surfer. And then the University of Hawaii turned me down and they don't turn any—they don't turn anybody down, but they turned me down. So I kind of wound up in military school. And as I was saying to, you know, to Jason, the first word that pound in your brains in New York is the word mission. And then he says, we don't scream, but they screamed at me. They line you up downstairs and they call you every name in the book. They wanna know if you're gonna crack within that first hour. And a lot of guys did. Then they shave your head, and a lot of guys cracked after that. Then they take all your clothes away, and they make you wear these ugly little military clothes, and they keep screaming at you the whole time. And if you don't crack, you know, they're upset. They'll push you harder. They'll call you every name of the book physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So as I said, if I hadn't gone to military school, and hadn't gone to Marine Corps, I might be in jail like a lot of my classmates because they went into drugs.
0: And, you know, Robert, let me ask you this, because Eli and Jason both talked about discipline. I mean, the, their military training gave them incredible discipline. My guess <laughs> my guess is before the military, did you have that discipline?
1: I don't know if I had it, I think you have it, but you have to be in the environment to have that discipline. Environment's very, very important. You know, like you can put me in a classroom, and I don't do well there. Put me in a football field, I'll do pretty good there. So environment brings out your talent and your genius. I don't do well in corporate. You know, I I worked for Xerox for four years. It was great training, but my spirit was dead in there. I died every day I went to work. And I'm sure a lot of you guys die when you go to work too because your spirit's not coming alive. You're there just for the money. That's not spiritual. So the one thing I learned about myself was the importance of having... Tremendous friends, you know, like there were no women at the time when I was in the military, or at least when they weren't around us. And so it is a band of brothers, and you know, I never had to worry about somebody shooting me in the back. But in business, that's why they shoot you every day, twice on Sundays. Next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Kyle in Bozeman, Montana. Favorite book, Midas Touch. It Says, how do you vet and assemble your team? are people always pitching you to be on your team or do you seek them out? For example, did Ken McElroy ask you to be on your team or vice versa? I don't think
1: we asked or talked. We just started doing business together. But the question is, there's a lot of people. I'll just have a warning to you. Kim and I here every day. Oh, I'm Robert Kiyosaki's advisor. I'm Robert, I'm Robert Kiyosaki's advisor. Look, if you want to know who my advisors are, just go to my book, Second Chance. Their pictures are in there. So the question is, is it takes time to become an advisor because we've had a lot of people who claim to be advisors, and they were the biggest crooks I've met, right, Kim?
0: Yeah, and our our advisors are our advisors. They do advise us in in taxes, in real estate, in corporations, all of that, stocks. Um, They are our advisor. I'm just going to say one quick story about Ken McElroy. When we met Ken McElroy, we started talking, and just in our conversation, it was really clear that we had a very similar aligned philosophy and aligned purpose when it came to real estate. And I did ask him, um, I said, oh, now that now that I know what you do, and he, at that point he was just managing, managing um, rental properties. I said, would you manage our properties? And he said, no, they're too small. He said, I only manage properties that are 120 units or bigger, and our, our largest at that time was about 40 units. So that... Propelled us to get our next deal, which was over 120 units, and that's how we started doing business together. But it was that aligned philosophy that drew us, drew us together.
1: And I want you to know, all of our advisors—they're they're, very—they may not be religious, but they're very, very spiritual people. We have a code of honor. We don't desert each other in need. We show up when we need to show up. You can count on them 24/7. And I don't have that with most of my other friends, and I'll say there, most people are too busy or they don't have time. So you're looking for that band of brothers and sisters, as the case may be, and that's if you find that, that's as big an asset as you can get. Because we study together, we we get together twice a year, we study together, we teach together, we teach together all over the world, and nobody complains. I don't think we ever had an argument at all, ever.
0: You know? Well, we just, I mean, we. I wouldn't say we have an argument, but we have some heated discussions because we have different points of view, but we let them out, we air them, we debate them, we talk about them, and we come to a consensus.
1: Right. So the spirit is much more important than the money. Yeah. And I don't think any of our guys are doing anything for the money.
0: They're there's no extreme... rich dad advisor who's a rich dad advisor for the money. No.
1: Because there's no there's no money in it. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it takes a while, but if you can find that, it's the most precious thing you can find. It's the same as finding a husband or a wife, whatever that is, you can find a good one, you're, you're, you're great. You find a bad one, it's hell. So next question, Melissa.
5: Our next question comes from Ben in Kentucky. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, what is the one skill you think is essential when starting a business?
1: I think we talked about it, the number one thing for me is what's the mission? Why am I starting a business? You know, a lot of times when I watch Shark Tank, they got this hot product, they're gonna make a lot of money. It's kind of my prejudice if the – and I've started companies and products just to make money. So I'll be upfront with that. And I do it because that's going to be the training to make me an entrepreneur. Like I didn't like the nylon wallet business, but it was a great training ground. You know, I didn't like the product, but I didn't know what my product was either. So I started the thing. I I see so many people. They don't care what the product is as long as they make money. So their mission is make money versus make the world a better place, which is true. Kim. Well,
0: that's really true because if you don't have that sense of purpose, which goes to the another piece that I think is very important, if you don't have that sense of purpose, when you have a setback or when you come up against major problems or obstacles, you're going to quit because it's not a strong enough reason. So that resiliency that... that um, both Jason and Eli talked about that. What do you do when you come up against those obstacles? Do you fall down? Do you get through them? Um, I think resiliency is crucial also with entrepreneurs.
1: But it's, it's also that integrity and mission, because like, you know, Kim's known that this one mutual, when Kim and didn't have that much money, the mutual fund company offered me a million dollars a year to be their spokesperson. And a million dollars a year, you know, it's a lot of money. I just couldn't do it, because it violated my spirit. You know, it's not what I stand for. I would never recommend anybody buy a mutual fund. Now, you want to buy one? That's up to you. But that's not what I stand for. It's not what Kim stands for. It's not what any advisors stand for. It's not what the Rich Dad Company stands for. Now, I would say probably out of a million people, how many people would take the job for a million dollars?
0: A lot of people. Most of them. A lot of
1: people. They don't even know what a mutual fund is, but they'd endorse it. And that's why we have problems in our world today.